Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Crystal Knight and welcome back to the show brought to you by Newsweek. Before we get into today's episode, we have to talk about the 34 indictments that have been brought against Donald Trump. On Tuesday, April the 4th, he turned himself in to a New York court and sat before a judge to hear the indictments. And so when he heard the indictments, now those indictments become public. And what we know is much more than what I originally thought. This case has been projected around Stormy Daniels and hush money, alleged hush money that Donald Trump paid her to keep quiet about their affair ahead of his 2016 election. But the indictments are showing that there was something much more sinister at play. Essentially, the New York DA, Alvin Bragg, who brought this case against him in a press conference stated that on 34 different occasions, which is why there are 34 indictments, Donald Trump lied about payments to Michael Cohen around what he was paying him for, essentially the type of services that he was allegedly paying Michael Cohen for. And there are others. So this is not just about Stormy Daniels. This is not just about Michael Cohen, but there are other alleged hush money payments that Donald Trump paid out. Something that's the most juicy is that he paid off a doorman, allegedly $30,000 for that doorman to keep quiet, a quote unquote illegitimate child or a child that he, you know, birthed out of wedlock. And it's just so ironic that it's taken us basically six years, seven years to get here, to get to the point where there was a bold enough district attorney willing to bring these charges against Donald Trump and actually outline, lay it out how Donald Trump did it and what the actual offense was, what was illegal about it. Because I've said, you know, it's not illegal to pay someone off, but it is illegal to pay someone off and then lie about it on a federal form, on an FEC form, lie about it on your campaign documents lie about it over and over again repeatedly that is what the illegality is and this case this story will continue to unfold even more and more in the coming days we don't know what will actually stick what will be dropped but while it makes for definitely political fodder I'm hearing and seeing and reading people saying this is a sad day for our country. This is a sad day for America. And I just have to side eye like, was it a sad day on January the 6th, 2021 with that failed coup and insurrection? Is it a sad day when children are gunned down 
in my home state of Tennessee while going to school and governors like Governor Bill Lee refuses to bring forth proper gun control legislation? Is it a sad day in America when women's rights get struck down? I'm queuing Roe versus Wade. Is it a sad day when so many rights in this country are being stripped away from the American people? People don't make these same type of comments about, oh, it's a sad day in America. But when Donald Trump turns himself in and we hear and understand about these 34 indictments, this is a sad day. I am just so over all of the media, all of the pundits who really believe that Donald Trump, because he's older, he's elderly, should not be held accountable. Donald Trump needs to be held accountable. I don't care how old he is. I don't care if he's in office seeking reelection, sitting at home in Mar-a-Lago, wherever. This man has committed political and election crimes and he needs to be held accountable. And this is just the first case. We know that there's another case coming in Georgia where he tried to overturn the state of Georgia's election results in 2020. We know that it's only a matter of time before that case is brought where indictments are actually being levied against him. And so before we get into today's episode, I just really wanted to highlight this because this is news. It's more of what Donald Trump wants. He wants a circus. He wants people to talk about him. And because he is a former president, we have to share it, talk about it, But this is not a sad day in America. This is a day of accountability. And it's a day of accountability for those who believe in accountability and believe in this thing that we call democracy. And so while there are many people who might be sad to see this happen, I, for one, am happy. I am happy that he is getting his day in court. And this run of political catch me if you can is beginning to come to an end. This week's episode is dedicated to Angel Reese and Angel Reese only. She is the small forward for the LSU Tigers, and they just won their first national championship over Iowa. It was a phenomenal game. Angel played very well in partnership with many of the women on her team, Um, and so did Iowa. Iowa has had an amazing year. Their star player is Caitlin Clark. She has won literally nearly every award imaginable over this last season because she's a great shooter. She plays great basketball and she did a great job. But unfortunately, Iowa came up short. Actually, they came up short pretty, pretty, pretty large. It wasn't a, a close game at all. But the, the LSU Tigers dominated and won. I'm talking about Angel Reese because Angel Reese did a gesture much like what we've seen Caitlin Clark do throughout the tournament where she put her hand over her face and did this gesture um, like former wrestler John Cena. It's called the You Can't See Me. Um, And if you've paying attention, if you've been paying attention to sports this over this past um, NCAA March Madness, then you've seen this happen and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, what I should be talking about is the LSU win and how great they played and how they really shut Caitlin Clark down and how their defense really boxed in much of the players and they were just the superior team in the championship game. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about 
Angel Reese making the same gesture that Caitlin Clark had been making, had been seen making. She did this when they played against the, um, you know, South Carolina, Don, the team that Don Staley coaches and other teams um, to really just defend off her defenders or really to just say, like, I'm so good. I like you can't even see me. I get it. But when Angel Reese did it now, she's been called classless. She's been accused of taunting Caitlin Clark. Well, a couple of weeks ago when Caitlin was doing it, people were saying, oh, she's so cold. She's so phenomenal. She's great. I mean, there have been, you know, commentators, political and sports commentators who have literally said, like, she has so much swag when she does that you can't see me. It's part of the sport. You know, you talk a little shish. You talk, you know, smack to, you know, the people that you're competing against about how great you are. Only when Angel Reese did it in the championship game, people are feeling away. And it's not even that Caitlin Clark, even in her post game um, conference, you know, brought up the fact that Angel did it because she understands like this is something that competitors do. This is a part of the game. But Angel has received so much negative backlash, so much negative backlash. And it takes you to listen to her post-game interview to truly understand exactly how she feels. All year, I was critiqued about who I was. Nobody, I don't, the narrative, I don't fit the narrative. I don't fit in the box that y'all want me to be in. I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it, y'all don't say nothing. So this was for the girls that look like me, that's going to speak up on what they, they believe in. It's unapologetically you. So you just heard Angel Reese give her take about the game and, and how she's been characterized. And I just appreciate her authenticity. I fully appreciate her authenticity and how she says, I'm a black woman. This is who I am. I am not going to change. I am not going to be anyone different because the people who write about our sport and the people who write about me don't like it. I also want you to hear Caitlin Clark's post game interview. Honestly, I have no idea. I was just trying to get to the handshake line and shake hands and, you know, be grateful that my team was in that position. Um, you know, that's all you can do is. You know, hold your head high, be proud of what you did, and, you know, all the credit in the world to LSU. You know, they were tremendous. They they deserve it. Um, they had a tremendous season. Kim Mulkey coached them so, so well. Um, you know, she's one of the best basketball coaches of all time, um, and it shows. And uh, she only said really kind things to me in the handshake line, so I'm very grateful for that, too. But um, honestly, I have no idea. And uh, I was just trying to, you know, spend the last few moments on the court with especially the five people that I've started 93 games with um, and relishing every second of that. So now you've heard both of what Angel has stated and what Caitlin has stated. Now, this is a podcast, so you cannot see the visual. But if you could go back and Google the visuals of this John Cena move and look at the coverage, just look at the coverage on how Angel has been characterized and how Caitlin has been characterized. And it's night and day. And if this were, you know, a perfect world, we would say, oh, the two things are different. Two things are not the same. You know, some people are saying Caitlin never did it to her opponent or in her opponent's face, whereas Angel 
is seen, you know, running up to Caitlyn or standing beside her, also pointing to her ring finger, like, give me the ring because we're about to win this national championship. Again, this is what people do when they are competing in any sport. But here's the thing. We cannot tell people how to celebrate. We cannot tell people how to celebrate. And I take great offense that people find what Angel Reese has done to be classless. When when Caitlin Clark did it, it was cool. It was hip. It was competitive. But for Angel, it's hood. It's taunting. And there's a quote by a rapper, Finesse Two Times, that says, it's cool when they do it. It's a problem when I do it. And I fully resonate with that line, that lyric, because it was cool when, when Caitlin Clark did it. But now it's a problem when Angel Reese does it. And the only thing that's different between the two women is their race. They're both college basketball players. One place for LSU, one place for Iowa. They're both women nearly the same age. Angel is 20. Caitlin is 21. They're both great competitors. By some accounts, people would probably say that Caitlin is better than Angel, but that's not even that doesn't even matter in this equation. What matters is the characterization of the two different people for doing the same thing. Now, many people I've been arguing all the last couple of days on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok about this one scenario. Why do we see what the two women have done as different? And many people have said, well, Angel is running up in the face of Caitlyn. It's a game. Many people do this when they compete. As a matter of fact, we see Draymond Green doing it a lot. Beginning, middle, end, whatever. He is a fierce competitor. He gets in people's faces and we don't call him classless. We see other sports figures do this. And I only brought up Draymond Green because he's the first person that comes to mind. But there are so many other men who have taunted and celebrated and no one has characterized them as being classless. But for some reason, Angel Reese is supposed to win quietly. And I have a problem with that. Why does she have to win quietly when Caitlin Clark can literally tell another player, you're down 15 points, shut up. Go look it up. How is that okay? How is that not classless, but her waving her hand in front of her face, which is something that Caitlin Clark started all of a sudden classless. And the ironic thing about all of this is really around the coverage. That's what we're talking about, how the media covers women in sports, women of color versus white women. If you go back and listen to what Don Staley said in her post-game interview after they lost to Iowa, Coach Staley talks about how there have been whispers, whispers about how she coaches her team, whispers about how her team plays, whispers about how her team has been categorized. And lo and behold, just a few days later, this championship game happens between Iowa and LSU. Iowa loses. And now those same negative stereotypes are being used against Angel Reese. Other coaches, your colleagues have sitting in that spot and talked about you all being bullies. What's the truth about your team? The truth about our team, okay? 
It's a good question. Okay. Um, we're not bar fighters. We're not thugs. We're not monkeys. We're not street fighters. Um, this team exemplifies how you need to approach basketball on the court and off the court. And I do think that I do think that that's sometimes brought into the game. And it and it and it hurts. Okay? Um and I do think that some of uh I'm gonna say it because I said I was gonna say it whether we lost or whether we won. Some of the people in the media, when you're gathering in public, you're saying things about our team and you're being heard and it's being brought back to me, okay? And these are the people that write nationally for our, for our sport. So you can, you can not like our team, okay? You can not like me. Um, but when you say things that you probably should be saying um, in your home, on the phone, or texting, out in public, and you're being heard, and you are a national writer for our sport, it just confirms, just confirms what, what we already know. So you just heard what Don Staley said, and she was almost foreshadowing what would happen at this championship game, no one knew what Caitlin or Angel would do. No one knew the outcome of, of what the game would be. But the characterization is still the thing that sticks out to me. And to make matters worse, we now have President Biden's wife, Jill Biden, saying that she wants to invite both Iowa, the losing team, and LSU to the White House. Why? Where does that happen? Where does it happen where the losing team gets invited with the winning team? And how and why? I ask again, because that doesn't make any sense. And I think it is a potential political firestorm that Jill Biden and the White House are setting themselves up for. Why would you even suggest that the Iowa team come because they played so well. Of course they play well. They have, they're a great team. They made it to the national championship. There's no doubt about it that they're good, but are you then going to invite the loser of the men's NCAA championship to the white house? Are you going to invite both the teams that play in the super bowl, the MLB, the NHL, the soccer league? Like where does it begin and end? And it feels like, you're trying to make up for white fragility. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I'm really bothered that Jill would even suggest that the Iowa team deserves to go to the White House. Again, no shade to the Iowa team. They did an amazing job. Caitlin is a great player. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing something, moving the goalposts. That's what we're talking about. We're moving the goalposts to make another team that is predominantly white, doesn't have any players of color on it, 
feel good about coming in second place. And we don't do that for for other sports or other other teams. If LSU would have lost, the question becomes, would Jill Biden have this same sentiment? Would she say, oh, LSU played so well, they deserve to come to the White House as well with Iowa? And would Iowa fans be happy about that? Absolutely not. I don't want to celebrate with the team that I just beat. No disrespect. Why are you doing that? What are you trying to accomplish by trying to normalize the two? By trying to make room for both? There's only one winner. So why are you, why do you think it's important that both teams get invited to the White House? I don't think that it's the right thing to do. And since when has the second place ever got invited? It's easy to crystallize an example of double standards. And this is what black folks mean when they say you do something for one, you move the goalpost for the other. It is very unfortunate and it feels like LSU didn't quite win. They didn't quite win everyone over because so many people have feelings about Angel Reese's gesture, the same gesture, maybe in a different way than Caitlin Clark. And I thought it was so important that I use this platform to speak up for Angel. She is 20 years old. There are people in the media calling her trashy, a thug. Keith Oberlin called her an effing idiot. What? Thankfully, you have sport greats like Shaq, Shannon Sharp, and many others standing up for her, taking up for her, and saying she's competitive. This is what happens in sports. People talk trash on the court all the time. People celebrate differently. And because she chose to throw someone's venom back in their face does not make her less of a lady. It does not make her less of a woman. It does not make her less of a competitor. Many people are also saying, well, she's not going to get the sponsorship deals that she would have gotten. Why not? Sports companies, people who make those decisions, executives, why shouldn't she receive the same type of deals that Caitlin receives? And I'm speaking futuristically. Now, I don't know all of the things that go into, you know, a a name and likeness deal or any type of deal that a, a, a sports athlete deserves or receives, but we should not count her out of any future blessings or opportunities because she chose to do the same thing that her competitor had done to others. It feels unfair because it is. It feels like there is a race issue because it is. It feels like the goalpost has moved because it did. And it also feels like people are just being haters. I'm just going to say that. You know, I'm not hating. I'm, I'm happy that they won. Yeah, then why are we having the conversation about a gesture as opposed to how well this team played? So I will end this as I begin it. This episode is dedicated to Angel Reese and Angel Reese only. I salute you. I stand with you. Know that you have a bright future, whatever you choose to do. Keep hooping and keep making your haters mad. Thank you for shining bright. Thank you for being authentically black. Thank you for representing. And thank you for being true to yourself. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Crystal Night Show brought to you by Newsweek. The best way you can support us is to give your five-star review on Apple iTunes and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast to The Crystal Night Show. After being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. Which is like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The parting shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts.